You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's episode 88 here, and uh, we're a couple days later than usual because Roma did play on Saturday against Venezia, so we will talk Venezia. We will look ahead a little bit to Torino with the, the last match day, really worth everything in terms of Europa League qualification now. And then uh, a little transfer market talk, which isn't something we do too much in season, but there's a big name linked to Roma, which I'm sure you've all read about, and uh, I think it bears a little discussion. So Jim, Brandon, how you guys doing? A few days after that, uh, you know, I'm going to take a line from one of our listeners, Jody. He basically said, Venezia parked the gondolas, which is pretty much what they did, and Roma managed a 1-1 draw. Yeah, I mean, I'm. that was one of the more dull matches that I've ever seen in my life based off of just, like, I don't know. How many shots on goal was it? Or how many shots was it? 46? I think 46 total uh, shots it went down as, and 15 on target is what I have here. Yeah. So, I mean, after a certain point, I guess you just got to, applaud the defensive effort by Venezia considering they don't have much else to play for I mean it's annoying for us of course and it makes it way more likely that we need to qualify for Europa League via the ECL title win but yeah I mean I can't stay too mad at a team that's about to go down to Sarai Bay yeah the result didn't really bother me too much just because as I'm sure we'll get into it's kind of all eyes on the conference league final for me at least um so the result was annoying, especially with the amount of shots on goal. But overall, I think where we end up finishing in the table, as long as we win the conference uh, league final, doesn't matter. So um, I have to be optimistic that we're going to win. Um, so in that sense, you know, doing okay from the result, I think I'm probably more annoyed at the fact that I have to spend another week listening to talk about Liverpool's quadruple bid. <laughs> and I know that's another league and all that good stuff. Oh my God, I'm so sick of hearing about it. And so the fact that they won today has just completely soured my mood. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll focus on Roma here, but yeah, I'm sure Liverpool has, doesn't have many friends here after 
you know, the, the champions league semifinal and, and then the uh, purchases that they made from us that turned out yeah, to man, be really good the, deals. Right. Rated the club, beat <laughs> us in the semis of the champions league, like forever. We'll hate them. So uh, go, just, we'll go back to Saturday for a little bit. Venezia, like we mentioned, one, one deadlock Roma, it took a very late goal and then they almost lost at the end, which we'll get into, but Mourinho promised very little turnover. And that's what he, he get, delivered. I think there were four changes from the previous match against Fiorentina. Gianluca Mancini was suspended. Mkhitaryan was still out. So you saw Kumbula come in. Um, Maitland Niles spelled Karsdorp. And then it was uh, Carlos Perez got a, a little bit of a surprise start because Zaniola ended up not even dressing. Neither did Felix Afenijan. Both had minor issues, which I think, they're hoping will be cleared up by the Torino match this week. But the the big maybe surprise, I think a little bit surprising for me was the fact that Leonardo Spinazzola got the start, uh, played 45 minutes. So I had this a little bit later in the, the, you know, list of things to talk about with Venezia, but maybe we'll, we're on him with the starting lineup 45 minutes. Maybe he plays a little bit again on Friday. Do you start him in the conference league final of about a week from today? We're recording on Tuesday. I don't, um, but I wouldn't have started him against Venezia either. I, I kind of was hoping that they just slow roll him to a early season start uh, in the fall. I'm a little surprised that we're getting the start. He seemed fine. He didn't seem like, I, I don't know, he didn't blow my mind against Venezia, but at the same time, nobody did. So I can't be too critical. Um, at, I, I don't know. I'm very hesitant about playing him right now. I, I, I'm sure I can't be the only one. Yeah, I'm also a little, a little hesitant on it. The, the the worry though is I, if I had a guess, I would I would not be surprised if his name is on the starting lineup come the final. Um, obviously, we don't know how he's doing in training and all that good stuff, but I think if Mourinho sees enough, um, you know, in training over the next week or so, and if he does well enough um, in the finale, I could see him strongly considering starting Spina over Zalewski, which I would not do. I think A. Zalewski's earned, uh, you know, his starting place uh, in the final. And on top of that, he just is way more uh, match fit, um, game ready, all that good stuff. So I think it'd be a gamble to play Spina. So sure it could work out uh, given his talent. But as Jimmy mentioned in the Venezia match, it's not like he single-handedly uh, – scored a hat trick and won us the game. So I think it still probably behooves Roma to do baby steps with Spina and uh, go with Zaleski for the final. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts, though. And another week of training, maybe a, a little a bit of a game time against Torino. Maybe he's got 60 minutes in the legs. And maybe Mourinho says, you know what? This is a final. The guy says he's ready. The doctors say he's ready. He goes. But I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked. I definitely wouldn't be shocked. And I would probably, if I had to wager on it right now, seeing that he got the start against Venezia, like Jim said, I was surprised. I would probably, I would probably lean a little bit towards Spinazzola right now in terms of what maybe Mourinho's thinking. Our group chat sounded a little bit like Owen Wilson with the amount of wows uh, <laughs> that we sent each other when it was announced he started. <laughs> yeah, certainly a surprise and certainly something to keep an eye on. I think it depends to what, Mourinho does with him on Friday if he starts Friday I can't imagine he starts again on Wednesday that would be three starts and like a, a what is it like uh maybe 17 day span that would seem to be a lot for him but uh if he doesn't start on Friday and Zalewski starts maybe that's a sign that 
Wednesday, Espina's from the start. And then Zalewski's a, a good option off the bench. It's no knock on Zalewski that I would possibly start Espina Zola because Zalewski had a very good second half. He played the second half. I'm looking at just their carrying numbers with, with the ball at their feet. Zalewski had 17 progressive carries, which was second on the team. And he only played half the match. Only Cristante had one more. So certainly that attacking option is there. I just don't know if Mourinho says maybe Spinozola is a little more defensively sound, or maybe he goes in reverse and starts Zalewski. They get a lead and then Spina comes in to help defend a little bit stouter. I don't know. I'm just trying to, to think the you know, different scenarios, but definitely a possibility, something to keep an eye on as we get into the, the last two matches this season. But unfortunately, this match did not start the way we've discussed it so many times this year. I know Brandon's mentioned a few times. They give up a goal early. It throws everything out of whack. First minute. Yeah, I feel I hate sounding like a broken record, but it's just with this team, they either will look great for the entirety of the game, go on to win by a couple goals, or, or they'll concede in the first uh, five minutes. And it's uphill sledding from there and it's very frustrating and I don't really know what to chalk it down to because obviously the first few times it happens of you know freak goal here and there but it's been like a consistent theme over the course of the season as you mentioned so I think that's um I don't know I don't know if it's a matter of the players that we have or is it just the mentality that they have going into the match or if we can just chalk it up to what seems like 10 or 12 freak occurrences at the start of these matches. Yeah. We, yeah. we, we hope it's out of their system, right, Jim? And that doesn't happen in these last two. Yeah. I mean, well, the final in particular would be a disastrous time for it to happen. I don't really know why this, it, it almost feels like they've got like a warm up time of like the first five minutes of the match where if something happens in it, they get totally screwed. But I, I don't, this club has looked so good at different, points in the season that I don't really get why they seem so fragile right out the gate. And there have been moments in other matches too, where we've scored really quickly. So, I mean, like that happened in, in several matches that we won handily that it started with, you know, a quick punch, a quick goal. And then, you know, we were off to the races. And then I guess the nice thing is that, you know, we're, we're not in a situation where once the other team gets that one goal, it's a hundred percent over. Like it usually ends in a draw, um, which you know, it could be a whole lot worse if it was, you know, loss after loss when it started like that. Uh, yeah, I don't really have an answer as to why it keeps happening, but it definitely is a pretty unideal trend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and this one was really on Ibanez. I, I know that Okareke kind of got in front of him, lofted cross, and it, it was a it was a nice header, but certainly it shouldn't be happening. And, you know, when you're playing a team like Venezia, who's going to dig in and defend to begin with, the fact that they get that first-minute goal allows them to really dig in and really put no offensive pressure on you. Roma controlled, I think it ended up being 68% possession. We referenced the 46 shots. I mean, 46 shots, 16 on target. Their keeper, the Finnish keeper, who, you know, wasn't even supposed to really be starting because Sergio Romero was signed. Nicky Mindpa, I think is how you pronounce his name, made 14 saves. I think he earned a perfect 10 out of 10 rating on some of the sites because he made so many saves. And it was just one of those games. Roma also, I counted four crossbars in the match. Uh, two of them off of Lorenzo Pellegrini free kicks. I mean, he's become a weapon. We've talked about that. And he nearly willed Roma to victory again with his free kicks. Uh, and then there was another one. I think, who are the other two? I think one was might have been Zalewski at one point or something. Yeah, Zalewski was one as well. Maybe Carlos Pettis. Oh, no, Cristante. One. Cristante blasted one off the, the post that came straight down, but it was in front of the goal line. 
uh, he he hit the, the crossbar too. It was just a rough match for Roma in those terms because 16 shots on target, you expect a little bit better. Um, but Pellegrini, I want to stop at for a second because he had quite the interesting match besides the two posts that he hit. He also drew a red card in a, a very painful way, got kicked by Sofian Keen right in the, the man parts, we'll say. And he was down for a while, went to VAR, and luckily they, they did card him. It would have been his second yellow even if they didn't give him a straight red. So deserve a straight red, two-match suspension for him. I guess he'll carry into Serie B next year because that's where he'll be playing. Um, and then at the, at the death, it was Lorenzo Pellegrini who ran really the length of the pitch to save what looked like a wide-open goal for Venezia to actually steal the win. So, I mean, Pellegrini showing the leadership there and just showing that, you know, he, he has the will to, to do what he needs to for his side besides just score goals or make a couple key passes and, and some of the things he gets criticized for. The definition of grabbing the game by the balls. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, he, he was um... – Shout out to I just wanted to shout out to ESPN for um you know crediting him with two missed penalty kicks. Yeah, missed penalties. I, <laughs> I didn't realize free kicks from like twenty meters these days are considered penalties, but yeah, but um the 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 game saving tackle, you know, that's that's right. Uh, that speaks to just how he's been this season in terms of the desire and the commitment, and this is exactly what you want to see for your, from your captain. I'll be honest, watching it in real time, um, it didn't really. It was like, oh crap, we're we're gonna lose, and then he <laughs> kind of just came out of nowhere and and saved the and saved the day. But I didn't really have a moment to really process just how crucial that that save was. It was just like, oh, we're here, we go, we're done. It's a it's over. So um, yeah, just shout out to him for that. Yeah. He had a nice game. And then another player who had a very impressive match and uh, AS Roma fan six came out with a question on him. It was Brian Cristante. He said, at times I've been very critical of Cristante, but I now believe he is having a very good season. He never complains and will do anything you ask him to do. What are your thoughts about his play this year and how important he is to this Mourinho project? And before you guys answer, I'll just read a couple stats of his from this match because the numbers really pop out at you. Uh, 11 shot creating actions are a huge number. Uh, I also saw... 13 pressures, but there was uh, another number I saw. I'll, I'll get it, but he completed 89% of his passes, and there was a huge number into the final third, which I'm going to pull up right now. 16 passes into the final third, 10 progressive passes. I mean, they didn't pressure him much in the midfield, so he kind of just sat back and, and knocked the ball around a bit, but I think he's starting to win some fans where maybe at the beginning of the season, he, people were running him out the door. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a decent fan of Brian Cristante. I wouldn't say like a huge one. I, I reserve that for Nilo Zaniolo and Lorenzo Pellegrini. But uh, I've, I've always liked what Brian Cristante brought to the table. The issue is often, in my opinion, that if, one, if the other – he's a very specific type of player in the sense that the other midfielder that plays with him has to do a particular role. Otherwise, he gets shown up a lot. And it's kind of similar to how certain center backs need to have the right pairing of two center backs together to – be you know their 10 out of 10 best self i don't think that cristante succeeds very well with vera two necessarily i think that it can be problematic uh the good news for people like cristante is that it looks like vera two is probably out the door this summer uh so i would say that given that unless you know there are rumors swirling that you know ac milan are interested in bringing cristante back but assuming that doesn't happen i could see him having a pretty critical role in you know whatever roma's 
goals are for next season, whether that's, you know, trying to win the Europa League or, you know, qualifying for Champions League play spots. Yeah, I, I think he's become a vital piece of Mourinho's. There's a reason why he's the third captain in line, right? And it was the same thing that Daniele De Rossi said about him way back when, that he would give me 11 Cristantes on the pitch, right? Because he doesn't complain. He works hard. He's a team guy. He got shoved into defense last year. Now he's in a deep-lying midfield. When he was at Atalanta, when he really made the name for himself, he was playing more of that box-to-box mid. He was chipping in 11 goals or some, somewhere around that number nine goals, something like that. And he's being asked to play a completely different role. He never gripes. He never complains. And, he's be, and he does the same thing for Italy, right? In Italy, for the national team, he's not a starter, but he'll come in in those last 20 minutes, do whatever Mancini asked him to do. And you need players like that, those kind of glue guys that kind of keep everyone together. And, and the ego doesn't get in the way, I think. All right. Did you want to throw something in there, Brandon? No, no, you guys nailed it. <laughs> All right. So we had one more question before we move on to this coming Friday. And just G asked, uh, given that the three-man back line gives us more defensive reliability, given the lack of a defensive mid, could be, uh, playing Pellegrini in the midfield along with Cristante or Oliveira work so that we can get another forward on the pitch? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I would do that just because it's. I feel Pellegrini's uh, best characteristic is when he's playing in a more advanced role, and I think to um, you know, put him in a little deeper role um, might not be the best use of his talents. But if he's paired along with Cristante and Oliveira, I mean, that's kind of what we've been operating with anyway, um, with him in front of them playing behind Zaniolo and uh, Tammy. So, you know, that's obviously been working to a degree. Uh, it, it's very clear that um, a lot of the parts are, uh, you know, the, the the team is greater than some of their parts is which is what we've seen with uh Mkhitaryan being out that's kind of a key cog that's been missing so um the the best replacement probably is Pellegrini so you know playing him in that role that that Mkhitaryan was in um I'm all for it but having him play any deeper I don't know about that yeah, I have to agree. I, I think he's having too good of a season playing as a three quartista to really mess around with that too much. And we, we've seen Mkhitaryan can play that deep line midfield role very well when they've, they've used him. So I, I wouldn't change it up. Would you, Jim? Yeah, no notes. Brandon, hit it out of the park with that one. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. All right. So looking ahead now, after the one point, it looked like Roma's not only Europa League hopes, maybe even European hopes with the Conference League being the seventh place finish, might have been in trouble because you still had Lazio playing against Juve. You still had Fiorentina uh, playing against Sampdoria. And then you had Atalanta playing Milan. So luckily for Roma, Milan had a lot to play for, took care of business against Atalanta. So the one point actually keeps Roma one ahead of Atalanta. Lazio pulled out a draw against Juve in in comeback fashion without Ciro Immobile. So thanks Juve. But uh, Roma, I think is three behind. So doesn't really matter if they finish fifth or sixth. So Lazio most likely looking at fifth place with a point. And the, the shocker was really Fiorentina went down to a Sampdoria side that had already avoided rele- uh, any kind of relegation. They were safe, like 15th in the table. And from everything I read, because it was a Monday afternoon match, Monday lunchtime kickoff, they absolutely destroyed Fiorentina 4-1. 
Uh, Viola have now lost six of eight. So thank goodness for that. Roma still controls its own destiny to finish at least sixth and qualify for the Europa League that way. So with the ECL fr- final a week from tomorrow, next Wednesday, uh, the league actually did Roma a solid by, le- by scheduling their match uh, this coming Friday. So they don't have to wait till Saturday or Sunday like the rest of the league to play. They get that extra day or two to rest up for the final. So kudos to the league for that, because if one of your teams is in a final, you should accommodate them somewhat, right? Um, so Roma's going to have to play first. They won't know what the rest of these teams are going to do. And with only a one-point lead over Atalanta and Fiorentina, everything is still to play for. So how do you approach this match if you're Mourinho? Do you go for the win in Turin? You know, he's probably not going to change many players based on the way he's done things. Do you think that's the right call? Do you go for the win, lock up, the Europa League on Friday, or do you go heavy rotation if you're the manager? I'm going every match go. you can. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Win every match you can. Win every match that you can. I, I agree 100%. I, I, and I think with four days in between matches, it gives you enough time to start your guys. I know Bremer it has been out for Torino, so if he's not playing, I think if you get Tammy in there, you get those guys in there, you try to get a, a couple goals in the first 60 minutes and then defend a lead, then maybe you could rotate some guys out. But I, I do think you need to go for the win. I mean, if you can lock up Europa League, whether that be level with Lazio, if they drop the result on fifth, or if you finish sixth ahead of the other two, I, I think that's what needs to be done. You can't go out and get a draw or a loss and, and have to pray that Fiorentina drops the match and Atalanta drops the match. I think you got to lock it up before the, the Conference League final. Because like we said last time, a one-off final is is risky business. It, it could go sour very quickly. Yeah, and I'll, I would just add that, um, you know, anything to get an edge, especially in a final. So if you can just ease the pressure on the team by just a tenth of a degree because they qualified for the Europa League over the weekend, like you have to go for it. Um, on, at the same time, four days is also a lot of rest. I know this is a team with... Uh, ambitions to compete in Europe consistently so that means playing every three days and if you want to be at that level you have to be prepared to play every three days so four days rest should not be a problem um and you keep by playing the majority of your starters you do keep them a little more sharp a little bit more match fit um obviously you have to worry about injuries to a degree but I think the trade-off of you know keeping that that match sharpness is worth it yeah, I, I agree. I think there's got to be some kind of mix uh, of getting most of the starters in and a little bit of rest. Um, you know, we had a couple of questions on this topic. Ace Roma fan six said that he thought thinks the extra ECL matches hurt Roma in the table. Revenue is important, but his nightmare scenario is if we finish seventh and lose the ECL final, he'd rather finish eighth and play no European football so we could focus on the league in fourth place. Thoughts? Um, I I think early in the season, I might've felt this way. This is kind of how I kind of felt last season at the end when they nicked Sassuolo, but I, I've changed my mind just seeing the way this has progressed. I know it has probably hurt them in the race for fourth, but were they finishing fourth anyway? I, I don't know if they're finishing fourth anyway. I'm keeping, I know that this is a family podcast, so I'm, I'm keeping my, my swear words to myself. <laughs> uh, no, uh, that, that is not. I'm sorry. The biggest issue that I have with Italian clubs and often sometimes Roman in, Roma in particular is that they seem to think that the European competitions do not matter. They seem to think that there is no utility to them when in reality, the best way to get good players to want to come to your club is to win 
in European competitions. Not everyone wakes up in the morning as a toddler and is like, I want to go win Syria. Like, I'm sorry, people into the loop, but that's just not how it works. People want to win something like the Champions League if they're not from Italy. And so it takes a lot more to, it already takes a lot more to get people to join a Serie A side than like a Premier League side, for example. And continually just like discarding a European competition, which plenty of Italian clubs do, is disgraceful to me. It, it shows like, we talk about Roma sometimes having a provincial mentality. The fact that so many Italian clubs do that demonstrates like a national level provincial mentality towards, you know, what's actually important. And it really frustrates me when people say we should, you know, give up on a European competition to get a certain place in the league. Like they don't give you a trophy for being fourth place. They give you a trophy for winning the Europa Conference League. So I'd much rather have a trophy in a cabinet that, you know, was pretty bare, all things considered, than necessarily be like, oh, well, we got fourth place again. Oh, we got second place again. Like, come on. Like we're watching this team to win something, right? Yeah, so I think for me, I would obviously I would love for them to win the conference league and um, add a little bit to that uh, trophy case that's a little bit there. But in the event that we did lose, I man, it'd be it'd be really disappointing to wind up in the same exact spot as last season. Um, I know there's been signs of growth with the squad, and um, and that's great. But I think you need. Uh, tangible things to mark progress and so obviously winning the conference league would be one of those finishing fifth or sixth would be one of those but if we lose the conference league finish in um seventh and have to play the conference league from scratch all over again like that's not really a sign of progress in my eyes um at least in terms of momentum because obviously there has been progress but i think you need to keep that momentum going if you want to bring in players and um you know, keep morale up and things like that. So for as much as they've done this season, if it ended with no trophy and in seventh staring at conference league in the face again, I don't know if I could get behind that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think finishing eighth is even less of a sign of progress, right? If you finish in a lower table position than last season, don't have a trophy to show for it. And then you have no European football next season. I think that's even more of a step back because I was okay missing European football for Mourinho's first season because I thought it would help him kind of get his house in order, uh, not knowing if they'd make a deep run in this tournament or not. But I don't think you can com- completely, you know, lose European football. I agree, though, finishing in the seventh in Conference League again would be disappointing for sure. I think you have to get into Europa League one way or another to, to kind of find some success in this season, though. If you had the same level of investment this summer as we did last, which I – probably could guarantee that's not going to be the case but um in the event that it was would you still be as um if the alternative if it was if it was qualified for the europa league but not have as much heavy investment or miss out spend a lot and just go for a either the scudetto or top four you would choose the former the european competition I, I think I think from a pride perspective, yeah, because I don't see how they can invest that way too without European football to entice some players to come in and just to have the money, the cash flow. I know the Europa League isn't a huge cash cow like the Champions League, but I don't see how they can say, all right, we're going to spend another hundred million in transfers and and not sell people. Um, 
so we can go for it if there's if there's no European football. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, no, maybe, I, maybe, 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 maybe it's time to talk about the big story of the week if we're talking yeah. about big transfer fees. Yeah. Why not? So yeah. yeah. Speaking of investment, <laughs> this would be a huge investment. So if the reports from Lava Republica today are true, which we don't know. Lava Republica is not one that you see many transfer stories come out of. It's more of a national paper, like an actual newspaper, not just a sports paper, like Corriere and Gazette, who have to like, you know, kind of sometimes push stories to sell papers because they're only football for the most part. Uh, linking Roma with Paulo Dybala and saying that Roma is now the front runner ahead of Inter, who has pretty much been assumed to be signing him at the end of the season. I mean, if, La Jolla comes to Roma, that would be maybe the biggest signing since Batigol in terms of just class and name value coming from Juventus. I mean, what do you like and what do you dislike about a potential move? Uh, well, I mean, we don't really need to hash out his qualities because I'm sure everybody that follows this league is well aware of how good he is when he's on his day. But for me, it's obviously the injury concern. Um, it's been no secret just how much he struggled with injuries the last few years, partially, you know, and that's partially why U of A is reluctant to meet his salary demands. Um, so I would be reluctant to just tie up the wage bill with somebody who has a poor injury history. I know we have several players on the roster who fit that bill and they've gone through the season unscathed. So, you know, you never know, but um, the worry it's, the worry is that it'd be a Pastore deal on steroids, which I don't necessarily think would happen, but that would be the concern. I mean, the two poles of the potential for this deal are Pastore and Baristuto, right? That those are basically the two possible poles, right? Like either he's a guy who is stuck on the bench because he's injured constantly, or, you know, I honestly think that like an Abraham, like, I don't know if, it, if this would result in us losing Zaniolo. But if Zaniolo gets back to, like, full strength and plays well, and you have a Zaniolo, Dybala, Abraham front line, that's pretty nuts. Um, that's pretty nuts. And I think that would be the best front line that Roma had ha has had since the Scudetto. I think that's fair to say. Um, I think that it would definitely be a it'd be a statement purchase. Um, and to a certain extent, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened just because I don't think that not either Mourinho or the freaking group are going to wait too want to wait too long to be one of the big bruisers in Serie A again. And I think this would be a way to make that happen, or at least give us a chance of making that happen. Yeah, there's no question this would be a signal of intent from the Freakins because you're going to have to pony up a big salary. You're going to have to go past the wage structure of pretty much every other player on the side. There's no doubt about that. He's he's going to command a huge salary. I think the big concern, like Brandon said, is the injury history. It's not the greatest. He does miss uh, you know, quite a few matches a season. This season, he's played 28 matches, just under 2,000 minutes for Juve. So not a huge number. Uh, you know, At Juve, he's never played more than 2,500 minutes. But he's had some fantastic seasons. I mean, his first season at Juve in 15, 16, 19 goals, nine assists. Uh, followed that with 11 goals, seven assists, 22 goals, three assists. And these are just the league numbers, right? Even this season in, in just under 2,000 minutes, 10 goals, five assists, solid number. And I'm just looking at his comparison here on FB reference to other forwards. If you compare his per 90 output, 
He is in the 99th percentile in total shots, 90th percentile in assists, 84th in expected assists, shot creating actions. He creates over four shot creating actions a match, which is 97th percentile. I mean, when he, when he plays, he creates and I mean, he was shedding tears yesterday because yes, he, you know, Juve has been a big part of his life recently, but my, my buddy sent me a, a, you know, a message jokingly saying like, you know, he's probably crying because he's tears of joy that he's getting out of uh, getting out of a leg system. I think it might've actually been Jerry Mancini posted it on Twitter and just saying like there he's, he's crying tears of joy because the leg plays at dinosaur football. Like if you unleash him with Tammy Abraham and Pellegrini and possibly Zanyo, like you said, I mean, the possibilities are endless in terms of what Roma could do offensively because Roma um, Gazetta had something where they they need to try to make up like, I think it was like a 15 to 20 goal difference between what other forward lines are doing. Cause in the league, it's mostly just Tammy scoring the goals as a forward. And this would be a huge coup. He's got a great outside shot, which Roma doesn't really have on the side in the run of play. We know Pellegrini's going to the free kick, but man, this would be like you guys said, like best forward line since the Scudetto years, I'd have to say. I mean, if you want La Magica back, that's definitely one way to get La Magica back. It's not one that I anticipated, but it's it's one that could happen. And I mean, honestly, if he wants to stay in Italy, I can see why Roma might be appealing. Uh, I mean, Mourinho's got a strong rep, obviously. He got brought Tammy Abraham here, and I would say that Tammy is a big, a, a big talent too. Um, and beyond that, I'm going to keep banging this drum until something happens, but if I was a player trying to sign on to Inter or Milan, I would want to look at their books first. Um, there have just been some bleak looking financial stuff coming out of there every now and then. And I'd much rather have slightly less money that I know will actually get paid out as opposed to, you know, going over to Inter and then whoops, um, something weird happens. So I can see why Roma might be appealing. I also know that if he moved to Roma and won us a Scudetto, he would immediately become like on par with Batistuta in the in the ratings of people for who view romans like and obviously he's an argentinian icon as well so i think that there are a lot of things to like about this the injury concerns are huge but let's be honest if you were able to trade one year if you were if you had to pay dibala for four years and you got a scudetto out of it and then three injury laden years would you take it i'd take it Hell yeah. Think of, yeah. (laughs) I haven't won a Scudetto in 20 years, right? Yeah. Like I, I, some, sometimes to win big, you gotta make risky bets and this is a risky bet, but the the high upside is undeniable. Yeah. I I think if you have the chance to do this, if you're the freaking, if he's seriously considering Roma, you have to take a shot at it. Right. Because for all the injury concerns, this is the kind of move that shows we're serious about trying not only to make the Champions League, but in the next two years when Mourinho's here to win a Scudetto. How quickly are you buying that jersey if it goes through? I don't know if I'd buy it right away. First of all, I don't like any of the New Balance stuff that's come out recently. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the issue. I'd even buy one this season because I don't like any of the New Balance stuff enough compared to what that's come out recent seasons. But so this definitely changes the team, the outlook of the team, I think. We all agree on that. But the question is, what are the odds of this happening? If you had to give this the, a chance out of 10 right now, based on these preliminary reports, we're competing with Inter, maybe a couple teams in Spain. What, what chance do you give Roma out of 10 of landing Dybala? Four. I don't want, I don't want to answer because I will 
rain on the parade. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, you're gonna say you're gonna say zero, Brandon. I Minus know. ten. Uh, yeah. Well, I, well yesterday I, we had this conversation in the group chat, right? When the first reports came out before the La Republic one, and I I sent it in the group chat, and Bren basically said, I, I said, how much weight do you think this carries? He goes, the weight of shit. So clearly, you know, the, the hey, I thought the, this was a family podcast, man. <laughs> I was about to cuss out one of our listeners earlier, and I didn't. <laughs> and now you're it's telling a, me I could. <laughs> it's the last four minutes. Anything goes. <laughs> there you go. Um, no, nah, but I mean, I would put it around a three or a four. And like when I say a three or a four, I mean a 30 to 40% chance he comes to Roma. I would say that there's higher chances he goes to other clubs. But I think that if he ends up staying in Italy, I think that Roma could be a, one of like two good choices for him. Yeah, I'd be in the same range right now. I wouldn't go any higher than four, uh, probably more like a three for now. Um, I think you're right. If he stays in Italy, it probably comes down to Inter or Roma from, from the reports. Then you have a better chance. But if he starts looking abroad, then... I think the chances go down, but heck the fact that Roma is even in the mix for a player like this, if they really are, according to these reports, I think the Mourinho effect is, is in full swing and then the freaking effect too, for that matter. Yeah. Imagine when we're in the champions league, who will get in. Yeah. With, with, with real money to invest. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, yeah. and like we, the look, we're playing for the, the champions league again after like four seasons. So I'm, you know, we all want them to qualify next season for the champions league for, for uh, 23, 24, because then Mourinho can really flex his muscle because the attraction is still there for players. It, it really is. They want to play for him. That's become clear. Um, you know, so big week ahead, everything to play for for Roma, the last two matches in the league and in the conference league. We'll be here. Uh, we'll be back after the Torino match at some point, probably right before the conference league to, to, to prep you guys for that. And then it's transfer market time. I know other names have been linked. I saw Matic today, which does not convince me much. She's 34, but uh, anything you guys want to leave the listeners with ahead of Torino? Uh, let's hope for uh, the Dybala to Roma rumors to pick up steam. And I'll, I'll just say, hey, man, I like that new home jersey from uh, New Balance. I like that. I like it. I, I, I got one for my birthday. I, I got a Tammy Abraham kick. I didn't know how good he'd be last season, but now he's officially, you know, gotten my confidence. So one's coming in the mail. Yeah, it's okay. We don't have to worry about Arsenal coming in, poaching him for like 60 million because Arsenal's like going to be out of the Champions League, so they won't have any money anyway. So I think you're good for another season, Jim. What a shame. What a shame. <laughs> oh, Arsenal and, and, out of the Champions And the other League. nonsense rumors, it. the other nonsense rumors before we close here, Newcastle, Josie Mourinho's not going to Newcastle. He's in the middle of something here. Brandon? He's not... <laughs> Brandon, you just think the sky is falling. For right now. You just, you're gonna, you'd be like, you'd if you woke up the next morning and you were like, and you saw a newspaper that was like, Francesco Totti turns out to be closet Laziale. You'd be like, yeah, that that, that sounds about right. Like, I've, like I've come fine, on, man. My you know, whole, my part whole... of sports. Are you a Mets fan? Part of sports is like just enjoying no, I mean, it and yeah, being hopeful. How are you not hopeful then? You're, you're you should be like thinking that you're gonna win every single year. You gotta have some hope. I feel like it's mission accomplished from when I've started here because I've been like chipping away at Jimmy's optimism. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it finally snapped. <laughs> yeah, I finally snapped. And with that, I guess we'll say goodbye. Yeah, we'll, we'll catch <laughs> you guys week, next everybody. week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>